And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is Rates and Barrels. Hello, friends. I'm the Welsh, Chris Welsh. That is Eno Sars. This is a podcast about baseball. And this Tuesday edition, we talk about prospects and we talk about dynasty. I think uh, DVR has called it Project prospect, which I very much like. And today we are talking about 2023 rookies to target. This is the pitcher edition. And, you know, you and I could not even stop adding pitchers to this list. I don't know how we're going to get to all of these players, which we're going to be talking about uh, a ton of these pitchers. But this is like a little bit your wheelhouse, my friend. I guess uh, I have a real hard time, actually, without uh, the Major League data. And there is a trend, a little sort of mini trend in baseball where um, it usually takes till about 24, 25 years old now uh, in order for a starting pitcher to really get established in this league. And uh, so it's like uh, I think most teams have gotten this memo where they're kind of um, slow walking their starting pitchers and they're doing these uh, they're either doing the Rays and Orioles method where they they come in and they throw 80 pitches and uh you know they they they're coming out in the fourth or uh you know there's uh, some uh that still have the kind of coming up in the bullpen will keep you in like two or three inning stints in the bullpen uh and use you that way so there's a lot of obstacles i think for the true rookie for someone uh, who hasn't uh, seen any time in the big leagues before to come up and be a starter in the big leagues. So I think you'll see that uh, most of these guys have had either a taste um, or uh, maybe my recommendation is to fade them in redrafts just because we don't have that, uh, that, that movement data. We aren't sure about the shapes of their pitches necessarily. And um, their opportunity may be limited. It may be uh, spot starts. It may be... You know, it's kind of rare that a any team, even a, a non-contending team, says, hey, rookie, you've never pitched in the big leagues. You get 25 starts this year. You know, yeah. so. a lot of these pitchers we've seen in the past, they'll teams will take their, you know, elite starting pitchers and they'll actually put them in a relief role for the season. They'll just kind of minimize. They'll they'll get some activity out of them. They'll get 60 or 70 innings and they'll put them over, uh, you know, one inning or maybe stretch them to two or maybe there's a spot start here and there. But I, I believe not like the Chris Sale thing and Garrett Crochet with the White Sox recently. That was kind of the thought until he just continuously got hurt. Michael Kopech played the same thing. That's a way to develop. I'm actually with you. I'm a pretty strong fade of uh, rookie pitchers overall in their first season. It's not something I'm really looking at. Though, I will say there is one pitcher on this list that accrued like 160-plus innings in the minor leagues last year. So if there was one, you could maybe... I don't know. There's a couple on. names on this that are that are like a little bit more exciting than average, and then of course there's a couple names on this list that aren't really true rookies. Uh, yeah, so we'll we'll get to those. A hundred percent. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting names, names in here. I do like on this. Yeah, we've kind of got three camps that we're looking at here. We're talking about guys that have a gig, so those are kind of your assurances if you're going to jump into your drafts. There's question marks of actually breaking camp, and then there are. Um, Potential options, are they options this year type of players or at what point? So these are three different camps. Hopefully we can have uh, data here and there uh, to be able to reference and we'll see who Eno likes. Uh, I do want to remind you guys, uh, the 2023 Fantasy Baseball Draft Kit is available. The athletic.com slash rates and barrels slash rates and barrels. $2 a month you can get uh, locked in and you guys can have access to that. Pitching plus projections. My dynasty is up there. And you know, like all the incredible crazy articles that are out there. So go and check it out today and uh, athletic.com slash rates and barrels. So let's just jump into it. And actually, I wanted to ask you this question, but I didn't want to lose ourselves here. Pitchers that have got a gig, the highest ADP, according to Fantasy Pros, um, I'm using, I'm going to do this again, and we can reference NFBC, of course. 
This is an aggregate ADP of all the big major sites. The number one pitching prospect is not like the hitting prospects here. You know, we have two hitting prospects that are already deep inside the top 100. If we're being honest with ourselves and a gig was fully guaranteed and given to a guy like Jordan Walker, I really think he would push the top 100 if they just said he's our guy. So Mm -hmm. that's that. It's different when it's treated with starting pitchers. Grayson Rodriguez is the number one guy, and they have all but said that, you know, he is going to be locked into a rotation spot this year. I think we have question marks of what it's going to be, but I wanted to flip it to kind of what you were saying, where you're saying fade these guys. But how do you deal with these players that don't have a lot of track record and data, especially when you're talking about your pitching plus projections? That's one that you actually off air were talking about how very high Grayson Rodriguez actually kind of jumps out at. But how are you dealing with like lack of long term data? with a pitcher that's going to break camp and them also kind of almost like not breaking your system, but you're like, holy crap, I got to really get this guy up there. So let's talk about Grayson Rodriguez. Yeah, he's actually pretty rare because I I do have minor league data on him. And uh, it's the tiniest of samples, but anybody who's been following long uh, knows that uh, Stuff Plus is pretty useful in tiny samples. And what we've got is... Uh, two starts in uh, in AAA where he had the best stuff plus in all of AAA among starters, a 147 stuff plus, which is just ridiculous. But uh, there is a translation. If anybody is looking at the minor league numbers on the Google Doc, the translation is about minus 10. So you want to take 10 points of stuff plus off of that. It's still 135, and that's like what Spencer Strider was. So, uh, yeah, he's going to be good, I think. And um, our system that projects uh, that projects, uh, you know, BABIP and strikeout rate and barrel rate and everything for pitchers allowed PPERA uh, put him at a three even uh, with a with, I think, a twenty nine percent strikeout rate. So twenty nine. Wow. Yeah. Everything looks uh, fairly ridiculous for Contreras. And so I got Grayson. all excited uh, oh, for Grayson Rodriguez. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and oh, so I was talking about Ronzi Contreras there. Oh, uh, I was about to true. say that's yeah. Let's see. Let's see. How does it translate? Let's see if it's even better. I mean, Rowan, uh, you just might have no. sold everyone on Rowenzi. Yeah, I just did. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Grayson Rodriguez uh, was the number five starter. It went Rowenzi, DL Hall, Blake Snell, Reed Detmers and Grayson Rodriguez. I think that's actually kind of cool uh, to kind of give you a sense of where some big leaguers sit, right? Blake Snell uh, had the third best stuff plus in AAA last year uh, when he was down there rehabbing. So so if Grayson Rodriguez comes up and has a similar stuff plus to to Blake Snell, but but more pitches uh, than Blake Snell, I think, um, I think that's that's partially why our uh, system pump, pumped out the numbers they did. So for Grayson, uh, we've got a um, why isn't it finding me? Come on, uh, we got a three, a three, even three, three hundred five ERA, twenty nine percent strikeout rate. I just don't know what the innings are. So I had him at like forty five with like one hundred and forty five innings, and then you know we were talking online. I was like, man, if you you know, if he does 145 innings, I'll be so happy. And I was like, well, then I can't put 145 innings down. You know, that means it's probably less than that. So I don't know what inning number to put down for him. And I also don't know how they're going to use him because they're going to end up doing probably the ty- Taylor, uh, the tight ty- Wells. What's his first name again? Tyler, Tyler uh, Wells, Taylor Wells. Taylor Wells? Or Tyler Wells. <laughs> now you got Tyler me. Wells. Now you got me. <laughs> you know, I think I have this. Tyler, uh, now you got the me. The Tyler Wells treatment, you know, uh, where they where Tyler, he gets yeah. 80 pitches a, a game. The Drew Rasmussen treatment. He's going to get 80 pitches a game. So even if he gets a fair amount of innings, he may not go deep into games. I think they're going to really massage that and try to uh, bring him along slowly. So I have him in my top 50. I think that makes him a draft. And... You know, there's some risk associated with him, but he's like really near Nathan Eovaldi, who has his own risk that, you know, he could hurt himself before the opening day, you know? So we talked once you get a lot about him into the, yeah, once you get into the place where, you know, you're drafting a guy who might get hurt before opening day, I think Grayson Rodriguez is is a great uh, alternative because. The limited samples, you know, minor league stuff was was great in terms of stuff. Plus, I've seen other people show me his trackman readouts. It, 
it's kind of bonkers how good he is. Uh, so I think he's he's actually someone. It's almost like the Corbin Carroll thing, where like, yeah, I think you should maybe draft him. You know, I don't know how far you should push him because I don't know how many innings he'll get, but I I think you should draft him. I agree. Uh, 12, 12 and a half K per nine last year in AAA is crazy. Under three walk, a 2-2 ERA, a 6-1 record in 14 starts. All of those things play up. His ex-fip was under three in AAA. You had said, though, just real quick, you had said like that was a guy after you did a lot of your projections and was going through like he did a big jump. I mean, you're, you're telling people, I don't know if everybody caught that. Like you just said, Grace Rodriguez inside your top 50 SPs and he had made that big jump. Do you remember like how big of a boost you ended up giving him? Yeah, I don't, I don't know where I had him. I think I probably had him in the eighties. Uh, the eighties in my rankings is where I stick uh, guys that I like that. I'm, you know, not a hundred percent sure about like, we'll, we'll talk about, Later, we'll talk about Hayden Wesnensky. Like, I think he'll be the fifth starter. I've, I've, I've put out the reasoning here on this podcast why I think he'll be the fifth starter. Um, I think he's much better than Adrian Sampson. Uh, but there's some risk that he isn't the fifth starter. So right now, I have him uh, in the 80s. There's some other names that will come up here that will be in the 80s. So, um, you know, Edward Cabrera is uh, 81st for me. So I, I had him around there because I thought, Here's a rookie with all the risk that a rookie entails. Well, is it truly all the same risk? Because I do actually have, you know, uh, some data on him. Once we put the minor league data in and it spit out a 305 ERA, that's different than it's spitting out for even other minor leaguers or other guys that have short samples that I have data on. Like it's basically the best rookie eligible player pitcher in baseball. Um, That's what the scouts say. His team is saying he's getting a chance to break break with uh, camp with the team. So, like, I have to put him a little bit higher. And so I've got him in the 50s, basically uh, among some of the riskier veterans that I like. Yeah, I love Grayson Rodriguez. Uh, and I also love that he's working with his catcher that he grew up in the in the entire system with, with Adley Rutschman. And he said Adley Rutschman's best catcher in the world. These guys are familiar. Adley knows how to call games for him, which I think works just a little bit extra than some veteran catcher coming in and maybe even taking over a game completely. You know, they just say, don't worry, rookie. I'm going to call. I've called these games. I know. Now, these are two guys that are completely familiar with each other. And Grayson's stuff is, you know, plus fastball, plus changeup. There's a great slider in there. He's going to rock and projections are on his favor on his side. Bat X even has 118 innings, little under 10 K per nine, which I think he's going to beat. And I think he's going to keep under the uh, three walks per nine. The, the caveat is just the innings. That's it. Like the guy's gone over hundred innings once he was hurt a decent amount last year. They didn't push him to the AFL, which could have pushed his innings technically over a hundred. So I really know what to do with him. I can't imagine him pitching more than like 130. If I thought the team might want to like, poke a little bit and go like 150, 160, and maybe, you know, like a strider or something like that. I think I'd feel even better, but I am drafting him. I have pushed him up. I am trying to draft him as where I can, where he doesn't cost a whole lot. He is one of the more fun rookie pitchers, but he's not all of them. There are some other guys with gigs here. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And the next guy up actually kind of changed a little bit, you know, his um, his status simply because Lance McCullers now is in question, you know, rinse and repeat every single season. Lance McCullers, does he play? Does he not? And it's Hunter Brown. Hunter Brown actually has a 226 Fantasy Pros ADP. I want to mind you that this consensus one is throwing 
players around here. This is technically the next guy up on the list, but the guy after this might be a little bit more interesting. His uh, CBS ADP is 228. Fantasy Pro's consensus is 226. And with McCullers out, Hunter Brown actually looks like he might have an opportunity to be in the rotation. And that kind of changes why we would want him. Same thing would have happened with Aaron Ashby had he not been hurt. But Hunter Brown, who obviously loves Justin Verlander, kind of mimicked his uh, delivery after him. What do you think about Hunter Brown this year? Yeah, he's not quite the same guy. I, I wrote him up. Uh, I forget which piece. <laughs> there's a, uh, I think there's a deep sleepers coming out tomorrow. I think he might be in that or if he was in my breakout young pitchers. I did that. I showed that uh, pitching ninja, uh, you know, comparison of him overlaid basically on Justin Verlander. It looks very similar. However, Hunter Brown is shorter. His release point is lower. He does not quite get the same uh, vertical approach angle as Justin Verlander. Uh, however, Hunter Brown throws a 92 mile an hour slider. And in fact, his curveball is the better breaking pitch because he throws like an 86 mile an hour power curve with, you know, just ridiculous movement. And it's like 86. So he's got two really, really good breaking balls. I don't think his fastball is maybe necessarily as good as Verlander, especially not Verlander prime. Uh, but I'm pushing that. I have a 121 number in here. I'm r- manually updating it right now to 145, 142. Oh, let's go 142. And uh, I think at 142 innings, uh, I've got him now pushed into the top 70. Um, you know, w- would you rather have Hunter Brown or Zach Eflin? I've got Zach Eflin for 144 innings, projected for a 23% strikeout rate and a 3.5 ERA. I've got Hunter Brown projected for a 3.3 ERA and 27% strikeout rate. So yeah. I think I could push him past Eflin. We'll see if he if he keeps moving uh, before my next update. But Hunter Brown is great. The The biggest risk, I think, is a, a tweet from Peter Gammons saying that Brian Abreu will be considered as a starter. However, if you look at Brian Abreu's uh, command and you look at his, you know, his pitch type command per pitch type, he does not command any pitch at a level that I would call starter level command. Um, like he is, he, he really reminds me a lot of, um, it was the last like amazing stuff, really poor command Houston reliever that came through that was going to start. Oh, um, Oh, there was two, there's David Polino. And then there was the other one who was the bigger, uh, it's completely gone. Josh the James, wasn't it Josh James? Yeah. That was one of them. Josh James. Yeah. Josh James. Yeah. And, Fra- and uh, Frankie something. Yeah. But Josh James is the one because he just didn't have he didn't have starter level command on any of his pitches. And that's what I see when I look at Abreu. Like he has bonkers stuff plus numbers. He would have even with the the starter to reliever, uh, the reliever to starter com, uh, conversion and stuff plus is minus five. Uh, he's at like minus he's at one hundred and forty. So he'd be at one hundred thirty five stuff plus. That's like Spencer Strider numbers. So, you know, I think he does have the stuff to start, but I don't think he has the command to start. And Hunter Brown has just been starting. You know, he's he's. Just, just slot him in. You know what I mean. So I think I think that's Hunter Brown's job, and um, and in fact, I'm going to give him my Lance McCullers slot at 63. I completely agree. 27% K percentage in the major leagues in 2022. He rocked a 31 and a half percent K percentage in AAA, which I love. Walks were a little bit crazy. One interesting thing about Hunter Brown too is like this is one of those I think very variant sliders where. Fangraphs doesn't even know what to do because they designate it as a cutter and it's like 93 and a half on average. But it has more drop than a average cutter. But that's the funny thing is like, this is probably one of those where he can just move it. it when it's up to 93, it probably cuts a little bit more when he takes a tiny bit off of it around you know a power slider in the, in the low nineties, it slides. He's also got a little bit of a change up and uh, he's got a curveball which he's using 31% of the time. So, I mean, just think about that. You have a 13-mile-per-hour variance between the curveball and the average fastball, plus you've got this cut slider that you're throwing in there. I think And they're all hard. <laughs> like they're all hard. hard. There's, like, difference. There's differential between them, and they're all hard. So it's pretty much ideal. The You're right to bring up the walk rates, uh, but uh, my location plus numbers, on, which I had for Hunter Brown in the minor leagues, were league average. And so that was my first uh, sort of clue being like, you know, sometimes I think a player's command and the minor league umpiring, the quality of minor league umpiring just doesn't mesh very well. And yeah. I don't know if it's because they live high in the zone or they throw a lot of breaking balls or whatever it is. 
His locations were coming up at you know league average when his command grade was much worse than league average, and I thought this means this is someone to bet on. So I, we've had him projected for league average command again, and uh, I think he's going to be a pretty good pitcher. So these are probably two big names, and you know if I had quickly adjusted, I probably would have brought these guys up maybe even to start before anything. These are two more guys. We've actually got three total that have gigs. And Kodai Senga. Uh, this is one of those weird ones. I didn't even think about it before. And Eno's like, we got to talk about Senga. And I'm like, oh, yeah, he's a prospect. I actually try to, like, <laughs> not put him on my first-year player and stuff like that. It's just weird when you have 29-year-olds. But at the end of the day, he does qualify. Kodai Senga has got a rotation spot locked up with the New York Mets. And projections are pretty high up there, uh, even across the board. The bat's got around 150 innings. ERA is probably the highest on the bat, if we're being honest. I'm actually looking at 4.62 compared to ATC, which is 3.73. That's actually a massive difference. I didn't even realize that. Massive difference. But Sango with a big power fastball. The Ghost is out there. Everyone's kind of getting excited about that. There's obviously a big repertoire. I think it's very interesting him being in a rotation with Max Scherzer and Verlander. You hope there are things that just kind of seep off into how to pitch. I think that's one of the biggest problems I've noticed when you have the translation of pitchers coming over, KBO, Japan, whatever it is, that the long-standing season is the thing that gets to them. How many times have you seen guys dominate for the two, first two months because hitters don't know what the hell to do, and then you start to get data and guys start to adjust, and the 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 bigger seasons seem to wear down a whole lot, and the readjustment as well seems to be a problem. That was something that happened like Tanaka in his first year. So Kodai Senga, we can't ignore here, though his overall ADP is actually lower than Hunter Brown. He is higher in some individual places, as high as 141 on CBS. So that is a significant higher spot. So what do you think about Senga as far as one of the pitchers to target? He actually might be, if we really want to break it down, the best pitcher to target across the board because he's really not a prospect. And the New York Mets could push his innings. I don't see why they couldn't push him 170, 180. I do have him the highest out of all the prospects. I heard good things about his feel for his cutter. Uh, he spent uh, some time at driveline reacquainting himself with the American ball, uh, which is important for his splitter. So now you got a cutter and a splitter. The fastball was sitting 95, 96, uh, you know, in early bullpens and also a driveline. So I don't know if it's going to be plus fastball velocity, but I don't think it'll be minus fastball velocity, you know? Have you ever seen this, by the way? Have you ever seen a guy come stateside and immediately go to driveline? Have we ever seen any pitchers do that? Because that's phenomenal. Everyone's very obsessed, (sighs) rightfully so, by the way, very obsessed with wanting to know who are the guys that went to driveline this offseason every year because the results speak for themselves. Look at Shamanaya, everything we see. But have we ever seen a guy come immediately over before their professional debut and go to driveline? line uh yeah i think i think the big guy might have um but uh you know i think that you know the the i also heard uh 17 uh ivb so 17 induced vertical break on the fastball so i don't think i think the thing that makes me nervous about guys when i don't have data is fastball shape fastball quality you know and um just from piecing together these pieces of information he's not going to be below average in velo he's not going to be below average in vertical break um, so it may not be the best fastball in the world, but I think it'll be average to above average. And then you've got the ghost fork and you've got the cutter. I mean, what if he was Kevin Gossman who has a 17 IVB and a great change up, uh, and he was Gossman, but he had a better cutter. So there is upside pretty, there's good upside here. Plus what I like about him is, uh, the home park. And I'm a little surprised to see like a 4.6 ERA when somebody that's going to be pitching in New York because the Mets home park is a, is a good pitcher's park. It's part of why I also like the other guy, Shintaro Fujinami, who has a, a, a huge ADP and is going undrafted in some leagues. And I understand that the league you know, looked at Fujinami and awarded him a contract that basically makes it say like, we think you have reliever lever command. Today, watched him in his debut, spring debut, walked two batters, a fair amount of three-ball counts. I can see what they're talking about. However, I see a guy who definitely has stuff. He struck guys out. He was throwing 98, um, and uh, he has a a really big splitter. And 
He has a good home park, and he has a spot in the rotation. I mean, that's more than you can say for almost anybody else we're going to talk about today. Like, the, the got a gig section of this of this podcast is almost over. <laughs> and so uh, that's why I like Fujinami uh, later in draft and holds and uh, in certain places uh, where depth matters and where role matters. Because I they're going to give him the role because they promised him a starting role when they signed him. So Fujinami, I think it's, he may have a bad walk rate, but he's I think he's going to pitch. Is he the best pitcher in the A's rotation? I think he has the best upside. Uh, Waldachuk is the only one that has above average stuff in that rotation other than him. We'll talk about uh, it. By the way, who was the big guy that you said? Was that Darvish? <laughs> when you said, I said, is there any guy that has come over immediately? Guy. Who is the big guy? The big guy. He, he also bats. Oh, Otani. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> Sorry. Like you said it, and I was like sitting here processing, and I'm like, Who's the big guy? Who's the big guy? Oh, you're talking about that big yeah, guy, like the one. the best the best one. I, I was about to say God <laughs> when you said that. You're like you, you were looking up. I was like, is God, did God go to driveline? Is <laughs> no. I, I, we 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 talked about this in the Lars Nutbar episode with uh, Al Melchior at the end, where we talked about the role of skepticism and uh, open mindedness, and you know how much we should value information. Like he went to driveline. There are obviously players that go to driveline and, and, and struggle. Um, but I do know that um, there is this uh, new sort of phenomenon. I think that the giants are doing this. The giants are signing pitchers that have not gone to driveline and sending them there. So mm. that's like Sean Manaya. Oh, you haven't done weighted balls and you haven't done that whole thing. Well, uh, we'll sign you and send you to driveline, you know? Um, and so uh, that's definitely a thing the Giants have done with three or four starting pitchers in the last two years alone. And the other thing that we're learning is that Japanese pitchers are not quite used to, they don't have the same access to the same tech and the same coaching styles that we have here. And so uh, Kodai was not the only uh, Japanese player that came over and went straight to drive on this year. I don't know exactly who was in the group, but I, I heard that there was a, a, a group of, of Japanese pitchers that came together. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. And that so, clearly has changed over years prior, which might change some of the stigma of what uh, first-year Japanese pitchers come and do and, and how they perform. Because the when ball the is different. Up to them. And the, not every six days. You brought up the six days. The, you know, they, 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 start every, they start once a week over there, uh, and they got to they get, get, get on a, on a five-man rotation here. So, yeah, there's a lot of things. And then the cultural uh, you know, assimilation or the cultural uh, you know, things they have to get used to. So... You know, uh, it, I can see why maybe some people have uh, thought to fade Japanese pitchers in the past. But, you know, just in brass taxes in terms of what the quality of the league they're coming from, if I could tell you, you can take this guy coming from AAA that had pretty good numbers in AAA, or I could take this guy from the Japanese league who had pretty good numbers in Japanese league or really good numbers in Japanese league, I would take the guy who was in the Japanese league because it's a better league than AAA. Tell you what, driveline's becoming the whole, like, new... I'm joining the athletic, like in fantasy and, 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 and baseball writers, like uh, breaking news. I'm joining the athletic. It's like breaking Best news. I went to driveline. Yeah, exactly. It's good. All right. One more guy in the like guaranteed gig spot. And uh, the Lester's kind of coming off because we talked about, you know, Senga and Fujinami, but uh, Cade Cavalli. Cade Cavalli came up last year with the Nationals. 
12.5K uh, per nine, which he got a dig. It was only in like one start. His walks were pretty high in that first start. In AAA, he put up just around 100 innings, so he went over 100 on full season. His K per nine was close to the tens. His walks were a tiny bit lower. He had around a three and a half ERA. That was Cade Cavalli. And that first start um, that we got to see, fastball was averaging just under 96. Power slider, which he threw 10% of the time, which was right under 90. And it was curveball. So it was fastball, curveball equated to just about 75% of his repertoire. And then it went to changeup and slider. So four pitches for 10% or more usage. It's kind of big power stuff. He's just a little bit all over the place with walks. Nationals don't have a great team, but he does have a great spot and can probably push somewhere around 130, 140 innings. Uh, projection systems have him about 120. Uh, ATC's got him at 123 with a sub 9K per nine and a four and a half ERA. Is Cade Cavalli enough of anything for you to consider for this coming year? He's got an ADP that's outside the top 500. So there's obviously deeper draft than hold type of stuff. But is there any excitement for you around Cade Cavalli? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, there's a lot of things going on here because I don't really, in the past at least, have not had that much respect for the uh, player development system in in, in Washington. And but I, at the same time, I know that they're trying to improve it, and they've done a lot of things this off season. And uh, you can still be a good pitcher uh, despite you can go to your own labs, you can go to Dryland, go to Tread, go to any of these places, and 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 basically develop yourself, even if your organization's not great. Um, I'm going to ask something and, that's going to sound really crass, and I'm not trying to be rude when I say this. What have they done? Like, do, do you know, like, is there, I don't, what have they done? Like, has, has there been any like substantial, like you said, like they've changed some stuff, like, like what? <laughs> like they, yeah. they are bad. Hitting has been really, really bad for them. And that's why there's been a lot of stuff around Robert Hassel. But like, has there been like one positive thing that came out that said they're now going to, I don't know, track me. I don't, I don't know. What, what, what is the thing that gets, that maybe makes you think differently? Uh, well, you know, there's a <laughs> headline they, they bolstered their player development staff in 2022 on the Washington post. And then they expanded again this year. Mm. Uh, but, um, they announced, announced, uh, 14 new roles, uh, and 20 okay. hires for player development last year. Um, so I know that, but I think that there are still some key personnel, uh, that are in there. Uh, director of player uh, development, I think Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson is 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 somewhat new there, um, but there are I think there's some people in that are some holdovers uh, that they kind of need to to kind of uh, to investigate. <laughs> yeah, yeah I get it. because uh, the 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 numbers aren't great. I mean, it, it's pretty obvious that they don't have great uh, player development, and um, you know they even get uh, good players from places that do have great player development, and they're not that great with them. I mean. I don't think Josiah Gray's uh, season was that great. So, you know, uh, but they, but people can get better on their own. Uh, people can just have the talent to will out. Uh, Cade Cavalli was a high draft pick. We're talking about uh, a first rounder here, 22nd overall pick. Uh, we're talking about good swing strike rates and strikeout rates to the minors. The model says uh, the fastball is adequate, but not plus. And uh, the, uh, the changeup might be good. Um, but that he lacks breaking ball command. And mm. that's the part that worries me the most because I think breaking ball command might be one of the two or three most important things for a pitcher. You got to set up your fastball. Like you got to Like you got to have guys that are willing to swing through any breaking pitch so you can set that fastball. But it's actually the thing that I was so critical about Casey Mize early on. Everyone was like, Oh, the splitter, the splitter. Well, you saw it almost immediately that he couldn't command the splitter and every major leaguer just sat off of it and waited for him to throw a fastball and he got destroyed. And obviously that can change over time and stuff like that. But just anecdotally, I'm adding that like, yeah, you don't have any breaking ball command. Major leaguers are just going to be like, cool pitch. I'm going to wait for the one that you put in the zone and I'm going to crush it. And that's what ends up happening. Yeah, so breaking ball command. I mean, like uh, George Kirby didn't have great stuff numbers on his pitches, and uh, uh, you know I wouldn't say he outstuffs in on any pitch. None of his pitches are like, oh gosh, look at that thing. Uh, but at the same time, he commanded them all. He commanded them all. So as a pitcher, as a header, you can't really keyhole him. 
You know, you got it could be any of them. Yeah. And look how great of a season George Kirby had. So I'm not trying to say that I'm just all of a sudden becoming a, a command guy, but <laughs> you know, uh, it is important on a certain. I'm level. definitely Especially a command guy. Starting pitching, yeah. I don't yeah, want to end I'm up de- with a bunch of relievers with great stuff. You know, I think that was something that that uh, Jeff Pontus said. I was this. Uh, I was at the Baseball America uh, Fantasy Summit this offseason. He said, if you just follow your stuff and stuff alone, you're going to end up with a bunch of great relievers. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. It's funny just because I am a command guy. When I fall in love with pitchers. Even if their stuff is a little bit lacking, if they are hitting the zone, because I think there is way more growth in a pitcher like that than there is with really, really great stuff, guys. It's not one for one. I mean, Hunter Green, I think, is completely retransforming who he is as a pitcher by that slider usage and throwing it for strikes more. Mm-hmm. I, I don't believe Kumar Rocker is going to get fixed, but the one thing I would say is Kumar Rocker has an incredible slider, and not to make this about him, but just. I've watched so much of him over the last six months, and he seems he lacks so much confidence with early throwing of his slider. But when he starts to adjust in outings, he all of a sudden is lights out because of exactly what we talked about before. Now you got a slider that he can throw anytime he wants for strikes, freaks these hitters out, and then the fastball actually worked because he has the poorest fastball command. But all of it to come back and say that, like, mm-hmm. I just think the growth is so much better with a guy that can command the zone. And there's so much more that you can do and add than it is just a, you know, a, a power stuff pitcher trying to, I don't know, command is, in my eyes, a lot harder to try to manage than, you know, maybe a little bit more movement or, you know, being a little bit more slick about how you're pitching. There's there's also just like there's the batters sort of function differently in the minors than, than the majors. And I think. You know, Kate Cavalli, it says the the numbers kind of say that he had better fastball command than breaking ball command. I could see in the minors just everyone being like, okay, I got to get the fastball. I got to get the fastball, you know. And so if he can command the fastball, then they're like, oh, 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 God, he can command the fastball. And then he just puts a slider wherever and they and they swing through it, right? Whereas here, uh, there are just as many guys that are maybe looking slider because there's such a slider league in the major leagues. You know, it's such a slider league that, you know, slider command becomes so much more important. So those are guys that we're identifying as having gigs. Those are prospects that you might want to target. But that doesn't mean there aren't guys that are very exciting. And we have actually kind of a bigger list that's going um, here through on out. And maybe the most exciting pitcher in baseball right now is actually not Grayson Rodriguez. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are turning over and their number one pitching prospect is becoming Andrew Painter. And Andrew Painter with the Phillies is so fascinating because this is a 19-year-old kid who doesn't turn 20 for a couple more months, who the Phillies have openly acknowledged they are willing to give him a shot to break camp with this team and have a rotation spot. And you obviously have to think about innings in general. Last year, he pitched... Um, oh God, I have fan graphs up, so I got to do the math like here. It looks like around 90. Yeah, like about 100, exactly. He put about 100, crossing three levels, which was phenomenal. An 11K plus uh, per nine at every single level. He's some of the biggest stuff across the board. Huge fastball. The biggest question is, does he break camp? And he's going to be up. He's going to be a guy that's going to get an opportunity. Projections across the board kind of want to play the 80 marker. They want to play it safe. But if he breaks camp, Philly's putting themselves... Phillies are putting themselves in a spot that they could get an extra pick because he qualifies as being on top 100 list. If he breaks camp, he's instantly available for that, even if they send him down later in the year. And if he is in that, uh, obviously, if he wins Rookie of the Year, I think top uh, three, they even have some compensation for, they're going to get extra stuff. But Andrew Painter might have the biggest upside of any of these pitchers in in like the total value land but what can he really do and give to us in fantasy in 2023? You know, is this somebody that you really, really want to target? And his ADP is going around 315 on fantasy pros, but as high as 235 on CBS. Yeah, it's really interesting. I think if he's if you're taking him in a place where you could just drop him for a week one starter, if it didn't work out, then that's okay. Um, I think that's worth the, the risk. Uh there's some people talking about maybe they don't love his fastball shape or whatever, but you know, the dude's six, seven. And I know that no matter what stuff model you got mine, anybody else's, they've struggled a little bit with people on the periphery and who's on more on the periphery than six, seven. Like when Sean Hagelli came up, my stuff model really loved him. And I was like six foot 11, by the way, I think for people that are sitting out there, I think six Jelly. foot 11, six foot 10. Yeah. 
Yeah. That guy's really tall. What's weird about him is he throws like a sinker and he's really tall. So it's just a really weird combination of things. And, uh, and, you know, I heard actually he put some weight on and is, is, uh, is trying to up his velo. Uh, He might be interesting, but in any case, uh, six foot seven with great command struck out 30, 33% of the people he's faced and walked one and 1.8 in his last stop. Like, uh, these are Google Gaga numbers. I, I, I'm, I'm willing to take that shot. I don't know if I want to take that shot, at, you know, as my SP five. I mean, that there are a lot of other guys that are more established who, you know, are going to break camp. But uh, if we're talking about a bench pitcher where you're like, Hey, I'm going to take a shot here. Uh, I think that's worth it. Okay. So two thirty five in CBS is pretty high. By the way, my, one of my favorite numbers to look at is K minus walk percentage. And it's so stupid with him because he had that <laughs> 1% walk rate that uh, in triple or in, sorry, in double a, he had a 32.1% per, K minus walk percentage. I don't know if you can wrap your head around it. Like if you see a guy with a 25 or 26, you're like, that's really good. Most League guys don't have a thir- like 13 yeah. or something. <laughs> Most guys don't have a 30% K percentage. And yeah, right. yeah. one K minus walk percentage, which was absurd. So 235 on CBS. I looked up uh, NFBC draft champions from February on. And he has an ADP of 304 with a high of 243. That's the absolute highest. So let me ask you. I'm going to do a couple guys below and then I'm going to test you. Would you rather take Andrew Painter or where is the next starting pitcher that I want to find? Taewon Walker. Uh, I might actually take Taewon Walker in a draft and hold. I just know in draft and holds, I'm just looking for innings, man. I'm desperate for innings. I want innings. Like taking a shot on somebody like Andrew Painter is like um like it could be a, a 25 inning or 100 inning, you know, split. It's like Taewon Walker, you're most likely to get like 130 to 150 innings. Okay, Andrew Painter or Martin Perez. Andrew Painter. Okay, so now we're gonna go above There's a certain Andrew quality Painter. of innings. I want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you got that. You, we got that real quick on that. Yeah. Um, Andrew Painter, or these are a couple of players that are going above him in the draft champions, or Ross Stripling. Ross Stripling. Uh, Andrew Painter or good... Sean Manaya. Sean Manaya. We're gonna get. See, I, th- these are guys I would actually slot like in my starting rotation to start the year. Okay, last one. And if I didn't have that, then I would have to go further down my bench. If you took Painter, then you have to take somebody really boring after that and hope they have a, a slot. Painter or Roenzi Contreras? Hmm. This is going to determine, because I don't think you want Andrew Painter. Roenzi. Yeah, I don't think you, I. I don't think uh, I think the the idea of Andrew Painter is fun, but application of actually drafting. Well, him, you I think put it makes me in the draft and hold box. Okay, so, that's true. Okay, so then go to standard. If we're Roto. talking about a fifteen-team league where it's a bench pick, I would take him. I would definitely take him over Martin. If I thought Ryanzi might not make opening day, I might take him over him. Uh, I might take him over Manaya. So there's there's a little bit of difference there because I'd be taking him for bench slot and be like, I'm going to drop him week one if he if he's not on the team. Okay. Um, Let's move on to the next guy, Andrew Painter. I, I'm I'm a little bit indifferent about him. I just don't know how aggressive the team is going to want to be. I think he's very exciting, but if I'm going on a rookie, I'm probably picking more of a gig, or there's a couple guys if you want to take some shots here. But hey, Andrew Painter might break camp. What about Hayden Wisniewski? I think you um I think you brought him up. 364 Fantasy Pros ADP, around 400 on CBS. There's a lot of these guys where it's just rotation is in question. I actually, you almost, I'm going to throw him in here as well. Ken Waldachuk. I think both of those guys, Waldachuk is like further down 466 overall ADP. Both of those guys, we could see a scenario where they've got a rotation spot, but we're just really uncertain. Do either one of those guys become players that you want to target in really any format? If if I knew they had a rotation spot, I'd love both of them. Wisniewski has a big sweeper. His fastball is good enough. Both of those are above average pitches by Stuff Plus. Uh, the cutter is pretty good. I think cutter, sinker, sweeper actually works as a combination of pitches. Um, and uh, I think that he's better than Adrian Sampson pretty clearly. So if I was putting together my best Cubs roster, uh, he'd be on it uh, to start the season. And Sampson would be my you know, call up in case somebody gets hurt situation. So Smiley today wasn't missing many bats either, Drew Smiley. So there's actually just a veteran that he can beat out uh, for a spot too. So 
Uh, and then we had uh, the revelation that, um, who was it? Was it Justin Steele had general arm fatigue already? Yeah. So I think the combination of injury and possible um, not goodness uh, for Drew Smiley is going to put uh, Wesnensky in that rotation. Uh, the athletics one is really interesting because the uh, the the GM already told us the top three. Uh, Forrest already came out and basically told us that Fujinami and Rusinski and Blackburn are in the rotation. And he did that because he had to probably promise Rusinski and Fujinami rotation spots to sign them. That yeah. was that was part of the part and parcel of the of the pitch to those two. So if you've got those guys in, uh, then he mentioned Caprellian, and then you uh, as someone who's kind of established himself. So I think you're four deep with those guys. Maybe someone's hurt. Maybe it's only three. But I think you're four deep with those guys. And the competition is Waldachuk versus Muller and Sears and Adrian Martinez. Adrian Martinez is is plays the role of the up and down guy for me. Sears, I think I would like uh, to see more of him in the minor leagues. So I think it's Kyle Muller versus Ken Waldachuk for that last slot. People have, you know, guys they like better among that. I know there's a lot of people who love Kyle Muller. Um, I don't, my model doesn't really like him. Uh, doesn't have any pitches above 95 stuff plus, And there's actually a fair amount of pitches in there. Uh, some command of stuff. Waldachuk, uh, you know, pitching plus likes his change up and his four seam and actually says his locations are pretty good on those two pitches. So all I'm looking for out of Waldachuk is a slight improvement in the quality of the breaking balls or the breaking ball command. And, um, I think he can do that. So uh, I like Waldachuk better than Muller. I think he'll take that that fifth spot. Uh, so I like Waldachuk and Wesnensky, and I've been drafting them. Waldachuk is actually going one spot after McKenzie Gore. Would you rather take that shot uh, around the 360s on NFBC? And draft? It's not doesn't have to be draft and hold, but that's just where his uh, value is. Yeah, him, McKenzie Gore. Right, and there's actually another pitcher. I'm going to save him though. They're all kind of going around each other. Is Waldachuk the guy you would rather take the risk on? I don't know. I like Gore's fastball. Uh, he's the velo's been good in camp, and he's got a uh, a rotation spot all to his own. So, uh, might take Gore over over Waldachuk. Now, this is going to be my favorite portion of the show because we're going to talk about some Arizona Diamondback pitchers because <laughs> there's actually multiple to talk about. Now, I'm not going to actually talk about the number one ADP guy because I want to talk about. The most fascinating of all of them, and this is the player at the beginning of the show when I said there's one minor league pitcher that had like 160 plus innings already in the minors. He led the entire minor leagues in uh, all of strikeouts. He had 16, I believe, games where he went six innings or more, which is absurd. And the numbers across the board, low walk rates, high strike, great K minus walk percentage. It's Brandon Fott with the Diamondbacks. He actually pitched two days ago or yesterday as we did this. Two innings, gave up one hit. His usage was 52% fastball, 30% slider, 13% curveball. So just very classic look of a starting pitcher. And he looked great. He does not seem to be currently locked in line for a rotation spot, but I believe to this minute the Diamondbacks should consider it. Even if it's not at the expense of the next two guys we're going to talk about and it's at the expense of a guy like Kyle Davies, it doesn't matter to me. Brandon Fott is the best minor league pitcher on the Diamondbacks and probably in consensus a top 10 starting pitcher prospect wise kind of across the board. So what were your, what were, if you saw any of the start and what are your thoughts on Brandon Fott and his ability to take a rotation spot, if not out of camp, maybe sometime soon. It's so difficult for me to scout the stat line on him because I know how difficult those parks are that Fott has pitched in, in the minor leagues. PCL, yet, yep. You know, he's given up some, you know, pretty large eye-opening home run, you know, total. So that's his one knock. Yeah. Is there something in the arsenal? Is it, is it more of a two pitch guy? I see a 45, 55 of a present future command grade from fan graphs. Is it a command thing? Uh, or is it just a park thing in your opinion with the home runs? Me, I think there's a little bit of pitch mix that's in there about how he's approaching. Uh, I think he attacks his zone. Um, did you say it was poor command numbers that were on there? He's got a 45 present, 55 future on Fangraph's command. Yeah, so I thought averages. he took a step up. He, 
he, I mean, he's never had really over um, a mid two walk per nine career in AAA. He averaged two walks per nine. Uh, it's high strikeouts. I know, the walk the dude, numbers are not high. Yeah. Yeah. No. So that's what I'm saying. Like, so when you're talking about command, he pumps the zone. Actually, reminds me. I talk when I talk about pitchers that like attack the zone. I think of like Shane McClanahan, who's just always oh, just throwing right at the zone, or the changeup is just dying. That's kind of how like Brandon Fott is to me. He's just attacking the zone at all times. And I think as you're learning to be a pitcher, I think when you do that, he's been a lot more susceptible to homers. I actually wish the data I would love to see is like, like was it the fastball? Like where has all the homers come mm. off of? Because I could see if he was attacking heavy fastball, that guys were getting it, uh, ahead of him. But like you also said, these are a couple pretty hitter friendly environments that he pitched in, in the PCL he was able to still maintain a 2.63 ERA, which I have likened to many people is reminiscent of Zach Allen. Like you don't see pitchers having a, a sub three ERA and succeed in the PCL. Dre Jameson, Ryan Nelson, those are two guys that got hit up in the, uh, we're going to talk about who got hit up in the PCL. And then they, people don't know how to like quantify them because they're like, well, these guys had five ERA and then they come to the majors and they're good. PCL really hurts you. And this was, that was somewhere where he was the most successful Brandon Fott was but the homers were still a little bit of a problem, though they dipped. My opinion is just the way that he pitches, and he's still learning to be a pitcher. Every other metric across the board just works in his favor. But you don't want to get too, I suppose, ahead of yourself. But it's just great K numbers. It's a good pitch mix. I think he was a little bit heavy fastball early on. And like you mentioned earlier, if you lose some of that secondary stuff in certain spots, guys are going to wait and try to hit the fastball. And I think that's what has ended up happening with him but they have not anointed him. You know, projections are under 50 innings pitched this year, which would not make I him a target really for anybody. Yeah, it's just difficult because the D-backs went and signed Davies, and they, they feel like, you almost feel like they have to cycle through Nelson and Jameson, no matter what you think of them. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Ryan Nelson. I think he has a, a great fastball with Ryde, good command, and I think he can use his secondaries more this year and, and get more strikeouts. Um, but they signed Zach Davies. They have to kind of, uh, push uh, the corpse of Madison Bumgarner out somehow. Um, and so uh, the back end of that rotation seems pretty set. You either have Nelson or Jameson at five, and then if whoever you don't have seems like they're first in line if someone gets hurt. So uh, it, he looks like, at best, the eighth starter here. And uh, uh, that's just a question of more like, how much FAB will I drop on him when he does get the call up rather than somebody I'm going to you know try and nurse through the season on my roster there's a lot of speculation with him like if you were in a league where you had i mean i don't know why a lot of redraft leagues have minor league spots but i know some do or sometimes you can run na spots he's a guy that i'd like to hold in roster but interestingly enough obviously you know i've been on there talking with them uh occasionally on I'm once a week on cbs and you know scott white and them love brandon fought he has a 288 adp on CBS right now, Brandon Fott. I mean, I just want you to understand this. There are two pitchers that are look like they are in line for that gig. And Brandon Fott, who is a great minor league pitcher, has an inside the 250 ADP that people are investing in right now. That's a pretty crazy big investment for uh, this not being locked in, or I'm sorry, to top 300 ADP. I'm just not so sure you can make that investment. Yeah, I wonder why CBS is higher. Maybe they have a, a, a maybe they have average, they have uh, more keeper leagues on average or something. It's something uh, like that. That could that could be affecting it. Uh, real quick, any other thoughts on Ryan Nelson? Fantasy Pros consensus ADP four seventy seven. Dre Jamison's actually higher at three eighty eight. Dre Jamison had a really clean inning. Ryan Nelson, I believe, did not have a really clean inning in his first start. But Ryan Nelson seems like the guy that they would probably go with. And you and I both were like, oh, Dre Jamison. Kind of interesting that he only pitched that one inning and it was almost in it was almost kind of reliefy in how the Diamondbacks used him. Not that they're gonna put him in that spot, but you are banking on James or Ryan Nelson. But I wouldn't just go like Gaga over ninety nine in one inning, um, you know, from Jay Jameson because he Vila was not really the problem for him. And uh, you know, it's one inning. So would you comp- you'd compare it to his max last year, which is near there. But yeah, and that's- uh don't erase that name. Oh, we got we had a we gotta just run through these names real quick. Oh yeah, we're moving. We're I just moved it. Yeah, I moved it. But uh but uh yeah, this last group is the real long shots. And I think these these guys are more names to watch out for um you know, in season, early season, um, and maybe 
the first guy, maybe there's an outside chance that um, stuff starts shaking down in spring where he kind of has that Julio Rodriguez like uh, rise through spring training and and takes the fifth slot in Toronto. Mr. Ricky Tiedemann, I think, you know, is somebody to watch because you say Kikuchi's command is just pretty bad. And even in his first start, it wasn't that much better. He he didn't do he didn't have a good strike percentage on his fastball. He wasn't it was all kind of his breaking balls like it always is. And uh, if they just get sort of tired of that, and I think Kikuchi's best role might be in like a two or three inning role, then uh, how about the guy who's, you know, just today through, you know, sat 98 and uh, wowed everybody with uh, an 85 on our breaking ball. It's, it's really hat bar. If you want something to look for when you, when you don't, and you don't want to go through sort through stuff plus or whatever, if you want to just look at fastball velo and breaking ball velo, those are two things that can tell you a lot. And 85 I, is the marker for for a breaking ball. I thought Ricky Tiedemann looked phenomenal. Uh, he only had 12 total pitches, but he got six swing throughs, and he got uh, two total whiffs. The changeup was a strikeout. Looked phenomenal. He hit 99.4 on the sinker. Unique and, release uh, point. Yeah, he is. Uh, I love and like I've talked about pumping the zone. That's another one of those guys. It's kind of McClanahan-y to me, where he'll just kind of pump the zone. And it's really, really good stuff. And the announcers were going bonkers. And you just never know. I think he's 100% an option. Uh, the guy you actually mentioned, you're like, don't get rid of him. I was just moving him was Kyle Harrison. Yeah. That's another one of those guys. Kyle Harrison with the Giants. Fantasy Pros ADP of 466. Actually going 207 on CBS. And I'm going to throw out these last three names. And you can kind of pick and choose well, how Harrison, you want to Well, Harrison, real quick. It. I just think yeah. that there is, I think he is, is, is locked to do some innings in the major leagues. But that is a very veteran team that already has. The reason why I think he's locked to do some innings in that major leagues is I think that director of player development uh, or the, the farm director in San Francisco is uh, has heat under his butt and uh, they have not really produced much recently and they should have been producing something by now. And if he can get Kyle Harrison to the big leagues and, and performing well, that might save him an, another year. So uh, of, of trying to get some hitters up to the big leagues. So well, I think that there's some internal politics that could lead to Kyle Harrison making a, his debut this year. Marco Luciano is a big stain for that organization because where you have, he went up the same year as Corbin Carroll and CJ Abrams in rookie ball. Those two are in the majors and Luciano hasn't played above high A and is hurt again from the Dominican waiter league. So just adding to what the pressure we're talking about. The last three is potential options. Bryce Miller, who I talked to in spring talked about, he's now got a sweeper and a gyro, two different sliders. You've got Bobby Miller with the Dodgers and I wrote Tanner Beebe on here as one of those guys you should take a look at with the Guardians as Daniel Espino is out. Do any of those three jump out to you as a guy that you might take a look at, maybe mid-season for Fab? I don't think any of these guys are really options that were to... Ricky Tiedemann's the closest to breaking camp, but Miller, uh, Bryce Miller, Bobby Miller, or Tanner Beebe as players that you would put as a little star to watch to see if any news pops for them. There's some, there's some news around Tanner Beebe that is not so much about Tanner Beebe as it does maybe create some opportunity for him which is i believe that cody morris is hurt and daniel espino is hurt did i get that right yes yeah daniel espino is going to miss some time i know daniel espino is hurt uh and morris cody, they're brought both hurt, along yeah. slowly due to lat discomfort so he's not hurt as long term uh i think the espino news was you know shutting him down for a little bit yeah uh, he's gonna be but, out for a month or so but that's still opportunity for BB to kind of rise in the ranks. And, and uh, you know, if there is a need early on, uh, I think he like BB could be the guy. I think there's Logan T. Allen. Uh, Joey Cantillo is coming back from injury himself, isn't he? Yep. Um, yeah. He's, he missed most of last year. He just pitched a session pitched a couple days AFL, ago in the AFL a little bit to try and get his innings up or something. I no, know he didn't pitch in the AFL, but he just threw a side session uh, okay. on the Guardians backfield a couple days ago. So he needs some warming up. And BB's, a, BB's ahead of him. That's why he's so interesting. He's kind of ahead of all these guys. All the guys we just mentioned, right? Maybe Logan T. Allen. I don't know. Um, Xavion Curry, uh, you know, had a hundred plus innings last year and is listed as a six starter. That's kind of crazy, dude. Xavion yeah. Curry is listed as a six starter in, in Cleveland. There is actually a lack of depth there for the first time. There could be a rookie that really steps forward, especially since we know they don't love Zach Plesac. They've offered to shop him. Zach Plesac has some collapse risk in terms of uh, if he throws a, a four seven ERA again, maybe they just say, "Hey, let's see what Tanner Beebe can do." Oh, 100%. So. Uh, those are 2023 Rookies of Interest, the pitcher's edition for you guys to chew on. 
I will not be on the next episode. That's going to be Al and Eno are going to be doing it. Do you have a player interview that's coming up? Well, we're doing a uh, we're going to do a labor recap this weekend uh, from first pitch in Florida. Um, and then uh, we do have an interview slated for next week. Uh, I think Greg Jewett is going to come on and do a closer episode. Uh, you're cool. going to have James Anderson on as I take a, a little bit of a break. Uh, some personal time and uh, and we're, we're going to keep you rolling along. I mean, James Anderson knows the uh, the first year player draft pool really well. He knows prospects really well. You guys are, I'm sure, going to have a great conversation. Greg Jewett knows closers. We're going to start having closer information coming in. So we're going to keep you guys informed while I'm out uh, for a little bit. But uh, it's been a pleasure. And uh, and uh, I know you guys will will keep the ship going. We got it. We got it. I just uh, confirmed it with James. We'll be on with Tuesday on the Prospect Edition. That's going to do it. Go to uh, theathletic.com slash rates and barrels. Sign up today. Get access to all the stuff. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with us. And we will talk to you again next time right here on Rates and Barrels. Bye, friends. Thanks for listening. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.